young, I'd listen to the radio. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Bob Trout speaking. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. This is Mutual. This is ABC Radio Network. Hi, everybody. It's Halloween once again on Same Time, Same Station for 2023. And this week, uh, without John Gassman, who was off with some retiree friends from Disney. Uh, so I'll be doing the show today. You're going to be hearing some Halloween shows and uh, a variety of shows in just a little bit. Dark Fantasy and Date with Judy and Escape. But first, a program we've not played before called Dark Destiny. This is from October 31st, 1942. And I, it's called Masquerade. I don't know anything really much more about it than that. So we'll listen and find out together. Here's Dark Destiny. beginning. There are souls born beneath dark stars who must travel by strange and terrible roads to meet their destinies. This is the tale of one of these, the story we've called Masquerade. Fantastic party. Well, fantastic's as good a word as any for it. A Halloween party in a haunted house. Gives me shivers just to think about it. Well, then, why think about it? Powder oh. your nose and let's go see if we can pry our husbands away from Jerry Mason's bar. Oh, Jane, you're so hard-boiled. You're never impressed by anything. A mob of people dressed up in silly costumes, busily drinking someone else's liquor leaves me cold, darling. Well, it doesn't me. I think it's fun. Suppose this house Jerry found really is haunted. Well, there are plenty of spirits around tonight, but they're all in bottles. Take it from little Janie. Just the same. It is spooky, and it makes me feel a little frightened. Doesn't it you, Helen? What? Oh, what'd you say, Sally? I said, aren't you just a little bit frightened by this old house? Yes. Yes, I am. I'm not ashamed to admit it. For gosh sakes, Helen, you look as if you had the heebie-jeebies. You're as pale as if you'd seen a real ghost. Instead of that silly-looking butler Judson dressed up in a sheet. Well, I wish Jerry never thought of this party. It's... It's, it's what, Helen? <laughs> Nothing. I'm being silly. Let's go out and have fun. I didn't make this witch's costume to sit around him. I second the motion. Why waste time now, Helen? Especially since your husband will be here any minute. What do you mean by that? Oh, Nothing. Except that I certainly couldn't have any fun if all my husband did was stand around watching me out of cold, fishy eyes, the way Carl watches you. Now, stop it, Jane. There's a party going on, remember? So let's go back to it. Oh, anyhow. Hey, what took you girls so long? Come on, Jerry's going to make a speech. All right. What do we got to lose? Yes, let's... Come on, then. Let's wait for the speech, everybody. Organist, organist, music, please. 
gentlemen. I uh, mean fellow witches, wizards, vampires, werewolves, and uh, whatever other unholy creatures we may have with us tonight. Now, now, uh, the meeting will please come to order. I will now state the purpose of our gathering. Tonight is All Hallows' Eve, better known as Halloween. Now, now, wait, wait a minute. On Halloween, ghosts, witches, and uneasy spirits of all kind are privileged to walk abroad. Vampires and werewolves may hold high holidays. The restless dead may step back from the great beyond and mingle with the living for a night. <laughs> Isn't Jerry a scream? He sure is. Quiet now. We, the living, have long been remiss in our hospitality to the unfortunate spooks, whose only amusement is to go around on Halloween saying boo at people. <laughs> so tonight, by way of making amends, we all invite all ghosts, vampires, poltergeists, or other invisible spirits to join us. Accordingly, accordingly, I as host extend the full hospitality of Haunted Hall to all such other world inhabitants who may be in the neighborhood and wish to drop in. If any such are about, make yourselves at home. Ooh, what's the matter, Helen? I felt so cold just then. Uh, what time is it? Carl ought to have finished with his business meeting. Be here by now. Well, it's not quite ten. He'll get here on time. You'll uh, see. When midnight strikes... We'll have a little seance. Then, if we have any ghostly guests with us tonight, we'll make them show themselves to us. But now let's have music. To suit the mood of the evening, all music has to come from the organ, which stood in the attic here for 40 years, and gave out ghostly chords whenever there was to be a death in the family. Organist, a few ghostly chords, please. Come on, Jane, let's dance. The organ music, imagine. Helen, are you all right? You're shivering. Yes, I'm all right. No, it's just a little cold. Okay, then, but take it easy. Well, i got to go find my darling spouse. I'll see you later. Yes. Helen. Helen. Jerry, I didn't see you. You look so guilty. People will suspect something. I'm sorry, Jerry. I... Come on, we'll dance. And we can duck and talk someplace. Jerry. Don't I... talk now. Somebody might overhear you. Dance over toward the hall and then slip into the library. And have some privacy there before Carl comes. Oh, darling, I've been waiting two weeks for a chance to be alone with you again. Jerry, I've been waiting two. I know. After tonight, we'll never have to wait again. Here's the hall. Come on now, the library door's on this side. I don't think a soul saw us. Get inside so I can shut the door. Hey, see if you can find the light switch. Here it is. Good. No one's have to interrupt us here, and we've such a few minutes... Carl phoned only 15 minutes ago that he's on his way. At the terrific rate he drives, he'll be here before we know it. If he only knew how often I've prayed that he'd drive off the road some night and break his neck. Oh, Jerry. Jerry. Oh, darling. Hold me in your arms, Jerry. Hold me tight. I'm frightened. Frightened? Because of Carl? Yes, I... I don't know if I can go through with it. But we have to. There isn't any other way. Couldn't we just go away together? Darling, my business is here. My work. We have to go through with our plans just as we made them. But maybe if Carl would let me divorce him... Oh, never. You know that. He'd die first. So that's exactly what he has to do. Die. Oh, there must be some way... But there isn't. Oh, darling, there's nothing to be afraid of. Nothing, understand? To commit murder. Don't think of it like that. We're, we're just getting rid of someone who's made your life miserable. Someone who stands between us and all our happiness. Now, listen. Yes, Jerry? This party tonight, this silly Halloween masquerade... 
I planned it carefully to make it easy and safe to get Carl out of the way. Easy and safe? How? There are two dozen people wandering around this old house in silly costumes wearing masks. Nobody can be sure who anybody else really is unless they actually speak to him. But I don't see how Now, the point is nobody will ever be able to testify or even be sure in his own mind where anybody else is at any given moment tonight. And this house, I I picked it for the party, not because fools say it's haunted, but because down in the woods, back of the gardens, there's an old rock quarry. Rock quarry? Mm Mm-hmm. This house was closed several years ago after the last owner fell into the quarry one night when he was drunk. And that's exactly what's going to happen to Carl tonight. He's going to fall into that quarry while drunk. Oh, Jerry, no. Oh, it's so easy a child could manage it. Everyone knows that Carl drinks heavily at every party he goes to. Now, look, you find some way to get him out of the house after he arrives. You'll lead him down the path through the woods toward the quarry. I'll see to it that he goes over the edge. I couldn't. Oh, I couldn't. You can and you will. You love me, don't you? Yes, Jerry, but murder... He suspects us already. You know that he's so jealous of you, he'd kill both of us if he could prove what he suspects. But just the same, I can't. Oh, I can't. I'll do anything you say, Jerry. Get control of yourself, Helen. We only have another few minutes to make our plans. No, Jerry, no. I I, I know we planned this. I, I know we both decided to do it, but now I can't. I love you, Jerry. Oh, I, I do love you, but this... I, I didn't know how it would be, and I'm afraid... I... I'm sorry I had to be so rough, but this is no time for hysterics. We've got to go through with it tonight. When Carl arrives... When Carl arrives, what? Carl. How did you get here so quickly, Carl? You invited me, so I came as quickly as I could. Yet you seem confused that I'm here. What? Oh, oh. no, no, I am just surprised that you made such good time getting out here from town. You only called me 15 minutes ago. And my wife. Why should my wife seem so frightened at my arrival? Why... I'm, I'm not, Carl. I, I'm just startled at your costume. Yes, it's your costume, that skeleton outfit. It's pretty gruesome. Gruesome? I think it's most appropriate. You come as a witch, Jerry comes as a devil, and I come as death. Death? What do you mean by that? Carl, what are you doing with that gun? I put it into my pocket before I left the house. You're drunk. I was drunk when I started. I'm not drunk now. Give me that gun. You don't know what you're doing. I know what I'm doing. I know everything now. Carl, what are you going to do? When I started, I intended to give this haunted house some new ghosts to haunt it. Real ones. Jerry's going to kill us. But now I'm only going to take you home with me, darling. You're my wife, and your place is at my side. Jerry tried to steal you as he stole the fortune that I placed in his trust. But I'm not going to let him. I'm going to take you back with me now, and you'll never leave me again. Keep talking. Hold his attention. I'm going to grab the gun. Uh, Please, listen to me, Carl. You don't understand what... It's you who do not understand. But you will soon... Understand everything. Understand this! And... Helen, get his gun. Yes, I've got it. And find me something to tie him with, quickly. I didn't hit him hard enough to put him out for long. He'll come to in a moment and... Jerry, what is it? Why are you holding his hand like that? Feel it. 
cold. There's no pulse. He's not breathing. Carl's not breathing. He's dead. Even though I didn't hit him very hard, he's dead. We've got to get rid of his body. Only another 20 yards. You can't see. It's so dark. It can't stop now. We were lucky to get him out of the French windows across the lawn without being seen. We can't risk somebody stumbling on us. The moon will be coming out again any second. What is it now? Branch, Never mind it. The edge of the quarry is just behind the next turn. Go slowly now. Feel your way with your feet. Standing on rock now? Yes. Yes, I am. Good. You can put his feet down. Mm -hmm. Carefully now, not too much noise. Mm -hmm. There, it's done. We killed him. We murdered him. Stop saying that. We are. He was going to kill us, wasn't he? It was just self defense. Be careful. Don't move around. The edge of the quarry is directly in front of us. Moon's coming out. There, you can see down into it. So deep. Deeper, the better. Now get out of my way. I can finish Mr. Carl Donnelly alone. So, up he comes. Under my shoulders. And now, over he goes. <laughs> well, it's all over. Except for the gun. Got to get rid of that. If we found it, would look suspicious. What do you do with it? In the middle of the quarry, there's a deep pool... Going into that. There. It's in the pool. I heard it splash. Now, all we have to do is join the party again and act natural. Mm. In a little while, we'll pretend to worry about Carl and start looking for him, but... But we won't find him. Not tonight. Act natural. All we have to do is act natural. Stop it. Stop it, you hear me? I'm going to act just as natural as I am because your neck is at stake, too. Unless we give ourselves away, nothing on earth can ever prove we're guilty. Do you hear that? Absolutely nothing on earth. Helen, smile at me. Act like you're enjoying yourself. Can't. You've got to. Talk to me. The last ten minutes, you've been dancing like a wax dummy. I keep seeing him falling into that quarry in the moonlight. Down, down, down. Don't be a fool. That's over and done with. Now we have a new life ahead of us, you and I. Think of that, don't think of him. I'm trying to, Jerry. I, I am trying to. But instead, I keep hearing him say that he's going to take me home. Keep me forever. And I feel as if his hands were still touching me, so cold, the way they were when he grabbed my wrist. You've got to get your mind off it. Look, come on over and join the gang. But remember, act natural. <laughs> Jerry! Oh, Jerry, welcome, boy. Thanks, Roger. Everybody having a good time? Oh, it's just too spooky for words. Everybody says it's the most fantastic party they ever heard of, don't they, Jane? You used that word once, darling. Oh, you... 
What's the matter, Helen? Are you still cold? No, Sally, I'm... Or... Well, darling, you're as white as a sheet, and your hands are colder than a polar bear's nose. <laughs> Nothing's just... the matter with Helen. She's well, just but... cold. Uh, we were out looking for Carl. He oh. seems to have wandered off somewhere. Carl, huh? I didn't know he'd ever showed up. Oh, yes, he, uh, he came in about an hour ago. He did? That's funny. We haven't seen a thing of him. I was looking for him, too. Of course he came in. He's here. He's here somewhere. All right, so he's here somewhere. What of it? Why fly off the handle just because I said I haven't seen him? Well, because he is here. He, he's outside somewhere. All right, then he'll show up soon enough when he gets thirsty again. And uh, speaking of spirits, Jerry, it is almost midnight. Time for that seance you said we were going to be treated to. Seance? Oh, well, you said if there really were ghosts around this house, we'd have a seance and make them show themselves. No, no, no. no. I don't like the idea either. Let's just forget it and come on dance tomorrow. No, we want a seance. Oh, no. We want to see a ghost. Yeah, we want a seance. We want to see a ghost. We want a seance. We want to see a ghost. No, 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 no. Stop it, stop it. You hear? What's eating you, Helen? You're about as much fun tonight as a corpse. She acts as if she'd seen a ghost already. Well, Helen's just worried about Carl. Uh, all right, I, I promised you a seance and we'll have one. Good. Uh, now, look, uh, first we have to turn down all the lights, though. And close all the doors and windows. Then everybody has to sit in a circle and hold hands while I invoke the spirit. All right, we intend everything. You get your charms ready. Come on, Janie, let's get going. Hey, everybody, we're going to have a seance. Jerry, you mustn't do this. I've got to, don't you see? I've got to act natural. I can't do anything that would arouse any suspicion. But suppose you should really... Helen, snap out of it. This is all just make-believe, just a game I'm playing to keep those silly fools quiet. No one can materialize ghosts. Look, all I'm going to do is mumble a few nonsensical words and then say it wouldn't work. Now, come on, everybody's waiting. All ready, Jerry. Lights down, doors closed, everybody in a circle, holding hands. Now, go ahead with the mumbo-jumbo. Sit here, Helen. Now, uh, silence, please. Silence. No one must move or speak circle of clasped hands must not be broken. Is that understood? Then music, organist. <laughs> Uneasy creatures of the night, the restless dead and all other creatures of the unseen world who may stir abroad only on this one night of the year, hear me and take heed. By Astaroth and Beelzebub and Lucifer, I command you... By Israfel and Belial and the dog god Horus, I command you. By Isis and Osiris and Telbas the Terrible, I command you. If you are present tonight, knock three times that we may know. Knock three times that we may know. Do you hear that? Shh. Ah. Oh, it's just somebody at the door. I'll open it, Jerry. No, I I'll do it. Uh, what? Oh, it's you, Judson. I beg pardon for interrupting, sir, but supper is being served, and as everything is oh, hot... Oh, thanks, I... Judson. Uh, we'll be in in a moment. Very good, sir. I'm sorry, folks. The seance seems to be a washout, but anyway, you can all eat now. Did you say eat? Leave me to it. If any ghost wants me, you can have me pay. Oh, Roger, come on. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, Jerry, Jerry, just a minute. Yeah? Helen looks all in. Maybe I'd better take her outside in the air for just a few minutes. Thanks, Allie. Uh, look, you go on in with the others. I'll look after Helen. Uh, tell the rest we'll be in in a minute. Well, all right, Jerry, if you'd rather, but she does look awfully pale. What's the matter with you, Helen? You trying to put both our necks in a noose? Sorry, Jerry. I was afraid I was going to faint. I'll be all right if I can just have a little air. And come on outside on the terrace. Here, we can go out through these French windows. Now, sit on the railing and pull yourself together. Remember, we've still got to go through the motions of hunting for Carl. 
Sherry. I keep feeling his hands on my wrist. I keep feeling the touch of his hands and hearing him whisper in my ear that he's going to take me home and keep me with him forever. Jerry! What is it? Noise. What's that noise? Noise? I don't hear any noise except the organ. He started dancing again. There's somebody coming through the bushes. Don't be silly. Everybody's inside. There's someone coming up through the bushes from the woods. It's just an animal of some oh, kind. Not. An animal would be scared away by the noise and the lights. Jared, there's a man coming from the woods. From the quarry. You're being hysterical. It's just an animal, I tell you. These woods are full of them. Not, it's not. Those footsteps. They can't be. They are. They are. They're coming around the side of the house. Jerry, take me in. Take me in quick. Come on, then. If it's a tramp or a vagrant, we... Wait have... a minute, Jerry. <laughs> Don't run away from me, Helen, my dear. Carl! You... You... You invited me, Jerry. I came as fast as I could. I hope I'm not too late for a dance with my wife. How did you get here? I just came. Come, dear. The music's playing. Just one dance, then I must take you home with me. You're not dead. Come... My dear, the music is playing. Just this one dance. Then we must go. Don't touch me! Surely you're not afraid of me, my own loving wife. Come, we'll dance, and then we'll go. Jerry, Jerry, do something. Don't let him touch me! Carl, you're joking me! You're... Jerry! I'm here and I find a rock big enough to fire! <laughs> you dirty... Ah, oh, you're dead for good. I slipped up before, but not this time. Jerry, he was trying to kill me. He's joking. Somebody inside might hear you. You can't give way now. We've got to get rid of her. I can't go through with that again. Jerry, his fingers in my throat. It's so cold. You've got to face it. Obviously, he, he was only unconscious when we thought he was dead, and, and he was so thoroughly soaked with alcohol that the fall into the quarry didn't even hurt him. Must have recovered and, and climbed out somehow without knowing what had happened and, and, and came back. That's what happened. That's what must have happened. But he won't come back again. I couldn't go through those woods. They're gory now. You don't have to. We'd be seen. Gotta think of something else. I, I have it. Where's Carl's car? His car? Yes, Carl's Green Roadster. I don't know. I don't see it. It should be over there, parked with all the others. He certainly came in it. It isn't there. Then we'll have to use my sedan. It's down there at the end of the terrace. Go on, open the rear door. What are you going to do? You'll see, quick. I can lift him, all right, but I can't carry him very far. Hurry. Have you got it open yet? Yes, Jerry. Good. There. Now get in the front seat. Do as I tell you. You haven't any time to waste. Come on, get in. But Jerry, I'm... It'll cost me the car, but it'll be worth it. His hands on my neck. So cold. So cold. For Pete's sake, stop it. Well, do you think my nerves can stand you sniveling? Do you think I like this? Don't stop it, I say. I'm sorry, Jerry. But with him in the, in the seat behind us... It won't be there long. 
What are you going to do with it? There's a blind curve up ahead of way. There's a deep ravine alongside it. Half a dozen cars have gone in there in the last ten years. Yes, I remember. I'm going to stop the car there. We're, we're going to get out and, and pop him up behind the wheel. Then, then I'll start the car and, and send it over the edge. We'll, we'll tell the police we, we found him wandering around drunk and, and, and we took him for a drive to sober him up. But uh, he, he insisted that we get out and let him drive and, and he got so violent that we had to. And then he lost control of the car. Will they believe you? I don't know, but they won't be able to prove anything if they don't. Aren't we there yet, Jerry? Aren't we almost there? Almost. Just another mile. I keep thinking that I... That I hear him moving behind us. I keep thinking his hands are reaching for me. So cold. I know. I'm not blaming you, but hold on to yourself. In another five minutes, we'll be forever rid of Carl Donnelly. Did you call me then, Jerry? <gasps> Carl. Yes, Jerry, I heard you call me. You and Helen. So I came. You're not alive still. You're not. You can't be. My wife has fainted. You tend to her. I'll come up front with you and drive. Stay where you are. You're dead, you hear? You're dead. I'll drive, Jerry. Move over, please, so I can climb in behind the wheel. No. No, you're dead. That's right. Move over and make room for me. Don't! Get back! Stay away from me! Just a moment now, and I'll take the wheel. No. There. Now I'll do the driving. I know where I want to go, and you don't. I'm driving my wife home now, so we must go faster. And faster. And faster. Stop it! Stop it, Carl! You'll kill us all! But my wife, I must get her home. Faster. Slow down. I'll do anything you want. I'll surrender to the police. I'll tell them I embezzled the money you gave me. Power of attorney over. I'll tell them anything if you'll only slow down. I can't slow down. I'm taking my wife home now. Faster. Look out! It's the blind curve. The ravine's on the other side of it. We'll never make it. Faster. Faster. Sergeant Myers? This is Johnson reporting. Yeah, again. It's been a busy night. It's a sedan this time. Went over the edge at Blind Curve a little while after midnight. The dashboard clock stopped at 12.25. That's right. I found it 20 minutes ago. Two people in it. A man and a woman. Yeah, both of them. Worst case I've seen yet. Car must have been doing 90 when it went over. And looked as if it had been driven over purposely, too. And say, Sarge, there's a couple of funny angles to the crash. I mean, peculiar, sort of eerie. One is, they were both in costume. Like that other stiff we picked up earlier tonight. Uh-huh. A witch's costume and a devil's suit. But get this, Sarge. The sedan landed smack on top of that green roadster I reported before. You know, the one we hauled that other guy in a masquerade costume out of. 
The one in the skeleton suit that gave him such a turn at the morgue when we left him there around 10 o'clock. Yeah. The one we identified three hours ago as Carl Donald. <laughs> Just listen to Chapter 8 of Dark Destiny, a series of dramas about those unfortunate ones among us whose lives are doomed from the beginning, who travel by strange and terrible roads to meet their destinies. Tonight's story, Masquerade, originated in the studios of Station WOR. Written by Robert Arthur and David Cogan, it was produced by Jack Johnstone. Featured on tonight's program were Carl Eastman as Jerry and Elspeth Eric as Helen. Next Saturday night at 8, you will hear a story. You say Anne's been dead for a month? But that's impossible. It couldn't be. You must be wrong. Because Anne and I were married yesterday. What's that? A man with a phantom wife? Listen to the next chapter of Dark Destiny, a story titled, Till Death Do Us Part. Bob Shepard speaking. This is Mutual. There's Masquerade from Dark Destiny, October 31st, 1942. Here on Same Time, Same Station with John and Larry Gassman, we go from one dark to another dark. This time, it's dark fantasy. And this was a weekly show, so this is not necessarily centered around Halloween, but it's a scary show nonetheless. This is show number 15 in the series. It's called Spawn of the Subhuman. And the date on the program is February 27, 1942. Here's Dark Fantasy. Dark Spawn of the subhuman. Beautiful takeoff. Yes, good pilot. Why did you charter such a large plane for just the two of us, Michael? Isn't this being just a bit too pretentious? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but the best from now on, Adela. Besides, this was the only plane available. You can unloosen your safety belt now. I might as well confess that the real reason I was late was because I took so much time reading the notices in the paper this morning. Oh, weren't they superb? Excellent. The audience was quite nice to me last night. Extremely appreciative, but... I didn't expect such fine reports from the press. Didn't I tell you before the concert that you'd be a hit? Today, my dear, you're recognized as the outstanding soprano of the nation. You've had a lot of faith in me, haven't you, Michael? Well, offhand, I'd say I have, yes. You spent a lot of money to make me a success. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll collect every cent of it back if we get as good houses as we had last night. Michael. Yes, darling? Do you feel... Well... Rather strange. Strange? No, dear, why? I... I feel like something is going to happen. 
What makes you say that? I don't know. A feeling of impending danger just seemed to come over me all of a sudden. Danger? What possible danger could we be in? I don't know. But I've had this feeling before. It's like... Like someone had spread a shroud down over this airplane. Oh, now that's a peculiar way to talk, Adela. It's the same sort of feeling I had that day Stefan disappeared. Stefan Wilder? Yes. Adela. I was riding in my car that day. I'd been to a matinee with several of my friends. We'd had a glorious time. I was quite happy. So I drove out into the country with the top down on my car. The wind was blowing against the car, just as it's blowing against the plane now. And the sun was glistening on the bright metal of the car, just as it's glistening on the wing out there. Darling, please don't think of that now. Oh, it was a lovely day. Just like today. My heart was very light. I was happy. Thrillingly happy. Stefan and I were to be married within a week. Adela, please. And then, for no reason at all, I had that strange feeling. It just came out of nowhere. And settled down around me like a... a huge cloth might cover the body of someone who had just died. Don't talk that way, darling. It was the strangest feeling I'd ever experienced. Weird. Terrible. It gave me the feeling that... A hundred thousand evil spirits were racing at a maddening pace behind my car, trying to catch up with me, clutch me in their bony, fiendish hands. That was so long ago. Five years. So long ago. Seems like yesterday. Then, when I speeded up the car, something began to pound in my ears. It's pounding there now, Michael. It's pounding there now. Adela, please. The faster I drove, the more that evil shroud hung over me. I gave the car more gas. More, more, more. And then... When they found you in the wreckage, they thought you were dead. I couldn't make the curve. The motor had reached full speed. I could think of but one single danger the invisible danger that raced there behind me, striving to catch me in its hold. But there was no one, nothing. Oh, but there seemed to be. And what was so strange, all of a sudden that bright day vanished. Just vanished. Clouds came out of nowhere and hid the sun from sight. Darling, I... I better pull down the shade on the window. Oh, Michael, wait a minute. Look. Look outside. They're flying below them. And they've completely blotted out the sun. The sun will be out in a minute. It's just like that day. Clouds hiding the sun. Just like they did that day. Oh, just a coincidence. Dark, dreary clouds. Followed by loud bursts of thunder. Listen. Nothing, nothing at all. Just a thunderstorm. Pilot would go up and fly above it. Why didn't he go up above the storm when he saw it? Oh, I don't know. Because he didn't see it, that's why. Certainly he did. No. Well, it came up. Just like that day five years ago. Out of nowhere. 
came up before the pilot wasn't even aware of it. Oh, nonsense. It wasn't nonsense five years ago. First the clouds, then the thunder, then it began to rain. Well, look for yourself. It's not raining now. It's nothing but an electrical storm. See, we're going above it. Oh, Michael, I'm frightened. There's nothing to be frightened about. There, look. There's the sun again. It was all so strange. That feeling. The clouds hiding behind the sun. The thunder. Sure, but no rain. Mr. Oh, Michael. Just the pilot talking to us over the talkback system. Uh, push that button right there so I can answer him. Mr. Brock, Miss Rhodes. Yes, pilot, what is it? Uh, don't be alarmed about the storm. We're above it now. Oh, yes, thank you. Uh, just an electrical storm, isn't it? No, sir. It's more than that. It's raining cats and dogs down there. Michael. Rain. Oh, Michael. We're up above the storm. Nothing can harm us here. You remember, don't you? I never saw Stephen Wilder again after that experience I had five years ago. Yes. As I remember. No one ever saw him again. He just disappeared. Please, darling, don't think about it anymore today. You're tired. Perhaps a little rest would do you good. Oh, yes, you're right. I am tired. Just lie back and relax, then. Honestly, sweet, there's nothing to be worried about. We just happened to run into a storm and you thought about that old experience of yours? I wonder, Michael. I wonder if we did just happen into the storm. Are you, darling? Over here, dear. Did you have a good sleep? Oh, I did sleep after all. Why are the lights out? Oh, I turned them out so you'd sleep as long as you could. And I'll switch them back on. There. What time is it? Uh, 9.30. 9.30? Oh, Michael, I've been asleep more than eight hours. <laughs> I thought you'd never wake up. It's after dark, and you've had the lights off all this time just for me. Well, I guess I'd better admit I got a little sleep, too. Where are we now? Over Mexico. Hey, hungry, dear? Oh, I'm famished. You know, I can't imagine what made me sleep so long. Oh, we landed Centella. We can get food there. Have we landed at all since I retired? No, we're circling now. Well, that's Centella down there. Oh. You better pretty up a bit. This is a secluded part of the country, but you never know who you're going to run into. How long before we're in Monterey? Oh, about an hour. Did you get good reservations? The best. Did you enjoy your dinner? Oh, immensely. That was a nice place. Certainly a rough landing field, though. Well, it's not actually a landing field. We had to land someplace to refuel before we got to Monterey, so I picked Centella. I enjoyed it. Quaint little place. Mm. It's a funny thing, Michael. 
Did you notice the plane? What do you mean, dear? It didn't look a bit like it had been in a rainstorm. I thought you'd forgotten all about that. Of course, it didn't look like it. We flew above the rain before it started. Oh, yes, that's right. Well, if you don't mind, I'm going to spend the next hour looking through my fashion magazines before we land at Monterey. over water. Water? Well, no, of course not. Well, we are. There's water all around us. Well, let's see. Why, heaven, Adela, you're right. The pilot's off his course. Well, surely you must realize it. Oh, you better go up and find out. Yes, I will. I'll be right back. Well, hurry, Michael, for heaven's sake. Right. Well, door to the pilot's cabin's locked. I say, pilot. What? Pilot. What's wrong, Michael? Oh, the door to this cabin is locked. Curtain over the windows pulled down inside. Pilot, open up. Look, he's raising the curtain. <gasps> Michael. Good Lord. A thick, hairy arm. Michael. That's not our pilot at the controls. It's a monkey. A gorilla. Oh, Michael. Are we dreaming? No. No, it's true. A live gorilla piloting our plane. But that's impossible. No, confound the door's locked. Open this door. Open up. Michael, be careful. Look at him. Peering back at us. Those little beady eyes. And an expression on his face that... Almost human. This is fantastic. How in the world did we ever come to be in the air with a creature like that? We had our regular pilot when we landed at Centella. I saw him climb down out of the cabin. So did I. I never did see him again before we took off. Naturally, his back was to me when I gave him the go-ahead signal. Oh, Michael. Michael, now what? Oh, we're over land. He's bringing the plane down. Oh, Michael. We're on the ground. An absolutely perfect landing. He's unlocking the door now. Michael. What's he going to do? Just take it easy. Don't get excited. Whatever you do, don't run and make a fast movement. Don't let him know you're afraid of him. Just standing there, looking at us. Whatever you do, don't let him know you're afraid of him. You don't have to be afraid of me. Michael. That, that creature talked. Of course I talk. <laughs> oh, we're a couple of fools, Adela. Just our pilot playing a trick on us, dressed up in a monkey suit. There is no trickery. I am not your original pilot. What? I joined you at Centella, where I came to meet you for Dr. Luther. Doctor? Dr. Luther? Yes. He's waiting for you. Now come, follow me. Steady, darling. Come on. We'd better follow him. Here's the doctor now. Well, Stephen, I see you brought our visitors. Yes, doctor. Yes, just as I directed you. Welcome, Adela Rhodes, and welcome to your lovely, lovely voice. I say, look here. And welcome to you, Mr. Brock. I'm so sorry that you will be of no assistance to me. However, you may be interested in what I have planned. Now, listen, Dr. Luther, I want to know what this is all about. You will learn what it's all about 
And without delay, I assure you. Come, Stefan. Don't be so inhospitable. Show our guest into the laboratory. down over there, my dear. Over here, Mr. Brock. Michael. Dr. Luther, I demand an explanation. Where are we? Why have you brought us here? You're too full of questions, Mr. Brock. I've already told you I'm about to show you why I brought you here. Here, high in these mountains, secretly, I've been working for five years, experimenting, testing, trying to accomplish what everyone would have said was utterly impossible had I told them about it. But I didn't tell anyone. Instead, I came here and built this laboratory. You see, it's fully equipped and modern in every detail. Now, look here, Dr. Luther. During those five years, I trained Stefan here. I believe you will agree my training has been very successful. You now see an almost full-grown gorilla behaving like a human, acting like a human, even talking like a human. I've been very kind to you, haven't I, Stefan? Yes, Dr. Luther. Of course you've been kind. Yes. Just so. <laughs> Scientists back there in your world, my dear Miss Rhodes, will tell you it's impossible to completely train a gorilla. That is the second point in which I've proved them wrong. Stefan, sing for us. Yes, Doctor. <laughs> Doesn't he have an excellent voice? Michael, did you hear that? Impossible. Sing again, Stephen. Oh, oh, oh. You see... Soon he will be world famous. I shall travel with him, take him to the four corners of the earth, and show people how well my gorilla sings. Oh, Michael. I can't believe it. That's Stephen Wilder's voice. It can't be. Ah, but it is. Yes. Now I remember. Now I know who you are, Dr. Luther. Stephen Wilder had an appointment with you that day he disappeared five years ago. I'd forgotten all about it, but I just now remembered. So that's what happened to Stephen Wilder. You kidnapped him and brought him here and... You. Precisely. <laughs> I brought him here to do what others said could never be done. And I chloroformed him five years ago and brought him here... I thought I was ready, but my gorilla wasn't, so I had to wait. Three months ago, I performed the operation. Operation? I removed the vocal cords from the man and grafted them into the gorilla. Oh. This is ridiculous. A thing like that can't be done. Oh, surely you don't deny the proof I've just given you, Mr. Brock. Stephen, sing. Recognized that voice, Miss Rhodes, the moment you heard it, because you'd sung operas with Mr. Wilder so much. That was the way he sang. 
to exercise his voice. <laughs> Don't you both realize what I have here? The secret of an untold wealth. Why, besides knowing how to train this ferocious and morose type of animal, besides knowing how to transfer human vocal cords successfully, I have something I can exhibit to the world to prove my knowledge. Think! Think of the fortune I can amass because people will pay immense sums to see and hear my singing gorilla. Stop it. Stop it, I say. Why have you brought me here? Surely you could have spared me this. I will tell you why, Miss Rhodes. If you and Mr. Brock will step over here... The only place we're going to step is out of this place. We'll do as I ask. Step in. These people are not to leave. Very well, Dr. Luther. Over here, if you please. Better do what he says, Adela. There. Go to this plate glass. Look into the next room. Another gorilla. Yes. Isn't it a fine specimen? Fine specimen? Yes, she. She? Uh, no. You're not trying. I've trained her very carefully. She was so much more responsive than the male. Now that she's able to obey me, I'm quite ready for the rest of my plans for her. Oh, no. No, you can't. I... I won't let you. I'll say he can. Neither of you will be able to prevent it. Soon, soon I'll tour the world with the most amazing exhibition on earth. A male and a female gorilla singing all the world's famous operas. Look here, you... Wait a minute. I just happened to think of something, Doctor. Yes? Do you remember the day Stefan Wilder had that appointment with you five years ago? Yes. Certainly, I remember. I'd been planning to obtain possession of him so I could bring him here. I was most pleased when he called and asked for an appointment. But did he tell you why he was calling upon you? I know. No, he didn't. He came to you, Dr. Luther, because he was losing his voice. You... You must be wrong. I am not wrong. I am the only one he told about it. It had been worrying him for a long time. You see, the more he sang, the worse his voice became. He was gradually losing it. But that's impossible. Do you think so, Doctor? You're a specialist on that subject. That's why he was coming to you that no. day. No, you must be wrong. After all the work I've done. Your gorilla will lose his voice, Dr. Luther. And I assure you, before you'll do anything to me, I'll see to it that my voice is ruined too. He won't! He can't! He's an excellent voice, excellent! Yes, yes, of course he is! We've worked together, I've trained him. His voice can't go bad on me now! Not now! Just when it's finally successful! Oh, you'll see, Dr. Luther. No, you're wrong! You're mistaken! He'll sing all right. He won't lose his voice. Will you step in? No, of course not. You're in an excellent voice, step in. Sing. Sing your head, step in. Show him. Signore. Signore. There. You see? Did you hear that? A beautiful quality. Beautiful tones. 
of the subhuman. Tonight's original tale of Dark Fantasy by Scott Bishop. Ben Morris was heard as Michael Brock. Eleanor Naylor Corrin was Adler Rhodes. Garland Moss played Dr. Luther and Muir Height was the gorilla. Next Friday night at this same time, listen to the 16th in this series of dark fantasy dramas created by Scott Bishop. The Man with the Scarlet Satchel. The story of an aged millionaire who receives a child's set of modeling clay as a practical joke, but who turns the gift into an incredible and weird instrument of destruction. Don't miss this unusual story next Friday night, The Man with the Scarlet Satchel. Tom Paxton speaking. Dark Fantasy comes to you from WKY, Oklahoma City. This is the National Broadcasting Company. And there is Dark Fantasy, February 27, 1942, here on Same Time, Same Station, where in just a few days, depending on when you're hearing this, it will be Halloween. So I thought maybe I could dig out some appropriate music. Get a jolt from my electrodes. Get the 
They did the monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. It caught on in a flash. They did the monster mash. The zombies were having fun. The party had just begun. The guests included Wolfman, Dracula, and his son. The scene was rocking, all were digging the sound. He got on chains back by his baying hounds. The coffin bangers were about to arrive. With their vocal group, the Crypt Kicker Five. They played the monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. It caught on in a flash. They played the monster mash. Out from his coffin, Drax's voice did ring. Seems he was troubled by just one thing. Opened the lid and shook his fist and said, What ever happened to my Transylvania twist? It's now the monster mash. And it's a graveyard smash. It's caught on in a flash. It's now the monster mash. Now everything's cool, Drax's a part of the band. And my monster mash is the hit of the land. For you, the living, this mash was meant to. When you get to my door, tell them, boy, thank you. Then you can monster mash. And do my graveyard smash. You'll catch on in a flash. Then you can monster mash. And that was Bobby Boris Pickett from The Monster Mash, and I believe that might have been a remake, I'm not sure. Don't know if that was the original. It sounded a little different, but then again, it just might be me. Who knows? Anyway, happy Halloween, and enjoy The Monster Mash, and enjoy Same Time, Same Station, where you can find shows and ask us to play them. That would be cool. And you can do that on Facebook, same time, comma, same station. You can also call us during normal business hours, 714-449-1958. And of course, there's email, and that's john1gasman at gmail.com. Gasman is G-A-S-S-M-A-N, and I'm Larry Gasman one at gmail.com. <laughs> 